Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the Trash Fire of Talk podcast with your host, Skits M. Jones. I am your host, Skits M. Jones, and let's kick off, as we always do, talking about events. Uh, This week, we have got Game of Microphones. This Thursday, killer lineup, uh, Luis Aravalo, Paul Oneluck, uh, Justin Arsenault, Paige Blair, Talbot Steele, King Kelly, and Pat Chase headlining. That's going to be an absolute banger. If you have not been to a game of microphones before, this is a fantastic lineup for you to come out to. And a reminder for any comics who are not up to anything on a Thursday night, we do have a lotto spot. So if you come out, uh, you can submit your name to get that lotto spot and maybe get yourself on the showcase and compete for that cash prize. Uh, so yeah, come out to Game of Microphones this Thursday. This coming Tuesday, I will be at Shakeover Tuesday, Women and Non-Binary uh, Performer Showcase at Shakers on Clark. Uh, there is an open mic after the showcase. Showcase starts at 8. Um, there's also, uh, I guess, free tacos with every beverage purchase. Um I hope that counts for non-alcoholic beverages because fuck yeah, I want some tacos, uh, but I don't drink. I'm sure it's fine. Um, come out to that. It's going to be fun. It's uh, another return to the city for me. I've got a lot of a lot of city things coming up, and that's that's cool for me. You know, it's been uh, it's been a blast banging them out out here in the suburbs and adding the city is just one more step in my expanding uh, what I'm doing with the whole comedy thing. So, yeah, that's going to be super fun. Looking forward to it. More shows to announce in the near future. I don't have all the details, so I'm keeping my mouth shut till I do. But there's so much more to come. But, yeah, uh, come out Thursday. Come out next Tuesday. Both are going to be great, and I hope to see you there. Um, uh, What have we got to talk about? You know... I've spent a lot of time in the weeds in recent episodes, getting caught up in a lot of bullshit and a lot of drama and a lot of, you know, stuff of that nature happening in the local scene. And I want to take today uh, to do more focus on, you know, what I like to do with this podcast, which is a, a celebration of things. Um, so uh, with that, there's... Uh, a number of things that I have been enjoying of late, uh, TV and movie-wise. Um, I, uh, I actually... Alright, so about my TV. My TV blew up uh, the other night. Um, there was, you know, huge lightning storm, whatever, and some of it cracked, I don't know how close to the apartment, shook the damn apartment scared the shit, not literally, thank God, out of my cat, uh, she hid under the bed for the rest of the night, like, it was, it, it was a bang, and it fried my fucking TV, I don't know how, nothing else connected to the, uh, the power strip blue, but for whatever reason, the TV did, so I had to scrap the TV and get another one, um, luckily, uh, there was one available for me, um, so I, I picked that up and, uh, then I had to try and figure out, like, 
these smart TVs are a real pain in the dick. Like, there's so many, you know, you've got your HDMI cords, you've got your coax cords, you've got the, the fucking, all the, all the other assorted shit. And for whatever reason, uh, the, um, in addition to the TV being fried, I can't get the H, uh, HDMI cable to work from my, my, uh, Xfinity cable box to my TV. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know, but I, so I bought some coax cable and now I'm running coax, which is wild after, after watching TV in the HDMI shit and then going back to coax, there is a decrease in visual quality. Uh, I, I can actually tell the difference, which is rare for me. Um, because you know, there, there comes a point where I can't tell things are any better quality wise, but there's definitely a point where I can tell if things are worse. Uh, so that said, um, you know, I grew up on fucking tube TVs and antennas and shit. So like even coax still looks fucking fine to me. Like I ain't mad at it. I'll, you know, I still watch VHS tapes for some movies I have because they don't make them on any other format. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but I got to catch up on some of my shows, so I'm not mad at that. Um, one of my shows I've been watching, uh, is Mayans, which is the Sons of Anarchy spinoff. And I gotta be honest, I think, you know, I grew to really love a lot of the characters on Sons of Anarchy, but that was a show that was wildly misunderstood by a lot of its fan base, you know, like what we were watching was a Shakespearean drama played out in a modern context of a motorcycle gang. Um, and, you know, there, there were definite shades of Macbeth and definite shades of Hamlet uh, sprinkled throughout the entire series. And, you know, most of the people I know who were fans of Sons of Anarchy spent the whole time being like, oh, man, the Sons are so cool, man. I wish I could join them and be part of the gang. That would be cool. Jax is awesome and all these characters. And it's like, they're all villains. You know, that's the thing. We're watching fucking villains. Like, these are bad people. They're gun runners. They're murderers. You know, they're bad fucking people. Um... And with Mayans, I think there's a lot more honesty about a lot of it being bad people doing bad things, sometimes for good reasons and sometimes with the best intentions, but they're still bad. And in addition to that, there's a lot of, uh, you know, as opposed to drawing straight from Shakespeare, it's drawing from a lot of uh, the the current situations along the border, uh, between the U S and Mexico, you know, a, a lot of issues with, uh, cartels, a lot of issues with border security, a lot of issues with, uh, real estate dealings and how that plays into, you know, what is and isn't done on the border and things of that nature. And so it's, it's less of a contrived thing. Um, and, and a lot more, uh, you know, interactions between these characters and these different groups who are tied to each other predominantly because of location. Location has a lot to do with it being, you know, 
on the border and what that means. Uh, in addition, there's, you know, the, the racial elements that were present in Sons of Anarchy as well, but with all of the, the main cast of Sons of Anarchy being white guys, you know, they didn't talk about the fact that a lot of uh, white one percenter biker gangs are vehemently racist. Um, they touched on it a little bit with Juice's story in some of the later seasons, um, but it's right up front and center. You know the the fact that Mayans is a you know Hispanic, uh, uh, predominantly Mexican uh, American based uh, you know biker club. Uh, and their interactions with, you know, the issues that arise both north and south of the border as a result of, you know, ethnicity plus the, the outlaw lifestyle. Um, it's very interesting to me. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, crossover characters from Sons of Anarchy to Mayans. Uh, if you're not watching, I don't want to spoil, but there, there are some characters who were, you know, not main characters in Sons of Anarchy, but definitely interesting uh, foils or villains or side characters or, you know, tertiary members, things like that, who cross over, uh, and it's it's very fun. Plus, um, uh, Edward James almost is in it, and he is just a, a fucking delight. Um... So yeah, there's that. Um, oh, what else? Uh, I've also been watching uh, Dragula, which is on uh, Amazon Prime. Um, there's been issues between the producers of the show and Amazon with uh, complications in episode release schedule. Uh, you know, some episodes come out late, some episodes come out like a week early, it's been very random and very wild trying to keep up. And I understand, you know, one of the main things in the, the drag community is, is watch parties of like, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race or uh, Dragula, um, you know, where queens are at the bar and the bar is hosting a watch party and then performances around it and stuff like that, which apparently is very difficult to do when the release schedule of a show is inconsistent. Uh, so that's been, you know, hurting, uh, the, um, platform of, of Dragula being out there. Um, but that being said, uh, being on Amazon has improved the budget for the third season and it definitely shows, um, you know, we're, we're about halfway through the season, I think. Uh, and with, with all of these competition shows, you know, performers really only start to stand out about halfway through the season, you know, cause you're just starting to get to know everybody. Some people get cut before you get a feel for them. You know, other people you're, you know, they're blending in the background until there's no more room to blend in the background. Um, so they're, the standouts are really starting to come through. Uh, though even from the beginning, I think a standout and a favorite for me has been, uh, Drag King, Landon Sider, uh, and unlike a lot of the other standouts on this particular season, uh, Landon has been very drama-free, which is fucking delightful, because, oh my god, this season has had some just insufferable bullshit, um, but that said, if you, if you appreciate drag and you also appreciate horror and, you know, camp and, and cult stuff, 
uh, not cult like joining cults, but cult like cult following, you know, like B movies that, that find new life, stuff like that. Uh, Dragula is a great alternative to RuPaul's Drag Race where it shows, you know, other sides of what drag can be. If you were a fan of last season of RuPaul's Drag Race's Evie Oddly, uh, Dragula is the next step in, in that direction away from, you know, the, the kind of pageant look. Um, so yeah, speaking of drag, uh, I got to see Three From Hell last night with the delightful, uh, folks from local Chicago horror drag show Dragzilla, which will be back again next Wednesday night for the witching hour at Liars Club. So you should definitely come out to that. It's a late show. So even if you, you know, work nights, if you can get out to Liars Club by like 11, you'll be in time for the show. Uh, so I got to see Three From Hell with... Uh, my personal favorite three from hell, Cindy Vicious, Lucille Fulfer, and Robin Graves. And uh, it was one of those fathom events, you know, showings, special event kind of things, which is the same way I saw Rob Zombie's 31. Uh, so now I saw Rob Zombie's three from hell. And it was fine. You know, it was a fine movie. It was entirely unnecessary. Um, you know, if you're familiar with the, the franchise uh, surrounding the Firefly family or the Devil's Rejects, whatever you wish to call them, excuse me, um, you know, the first film, House of a Thousand Corpses, was an absolute mess of a movie. Um, Rob Zombie's first film and clearly, you know, did not know exactly uh, what he was doing, but knew what what he loved and wanted to put that into a movie. And so it's a very surreal nightmare acid trip of a horror film devil's rejects which is the second film in the franchise was just a straight up 70s exploitation murder horror spree flick um and it ended with a, a shootout in which it appeared that uh the firefly family of uh captain spaulding uh otis driftwood and baby firefly uh all seemed to have died and it was the perfect ending for those characters because, you know, the characters are horrible. They are murderers and rapists and, you know, violent sadists. And they got their comeuppance at the end of the movie. And that was correct. You know, that, that was the way that should have played, you know. Um, and... They open the movie Three from Hell with those characters not being dead. Uh, yes, the, the shootout still happened, but somehow they survived and were hospitalized, followed by incarcerated uh, for, you know, 15 years or whatever uh, they say it is. Um, and then, uh, you know, so this was... so the. The first two films take place, I believe, in the 70s, so this would be somewhere in the, uh, I want to say, 80s. Um, and it's, here's the thing, it's great to revisit some of these characters. Um, it was it was nice, uh, because they, they are interesting, charismatic characters, uh, largely in part due to the performances, um, but they grow increasingly uncomfortable on every revisit because it's like, oh yeah, this is horrible to watch. Um, these are monsters, especially the more realistic they play it, uh, 
the more horrible they become. Uh, you know, especially the graduation from House of a Thousand Corpses to Devil's Rejects, because House of a Thousand Corpses played as, as such a surreal uh, movie that, you know, when they all survive uh, at the end, it's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. This is a horror movie. That's, you know, it is what it is. Um, but as the second movie made them almost into anti-heroes, uh, as they were, you know, battling, uh, vigilante cops, um, you know, uh, and bounty hunters, there's, you know, your, your sympathies start to roll with them, but then you're like, oh wait, I'm now sympathizing with absolute fucking monsters. And this movie almost doubles down on that. Um, you know, using a lot of the, you know, very Manson-esque imagery, uh, which was purposeful on Zombies' part, uh, because it was a Fathoms event thing. Uh, one of the, the features after the movie was some behind-the-scenes stuff and interviews and whatnot. Um, and it, uh, they, they really doubled down on, oh, you love these characters, let's watch them do their things. And it's like, oh, they're fucking uncomfortable it's they're fucking terrible that all being said um so that you know devil's rejects ended beautifully poetically with the the shootout and the the death of those characters seemingly this movie spoiler alert uh if you're still here all right spoiler uh they all survive um they they live to see another day and that felt so unfulfilling because that there's no closure to the story then. Um, and it feels like a story that needs closure. I certainly hope there's not like a fourth movie. Like, please let this be the end of it. Um, not that I don't love these characters or Rob Zombie's movies. I just would rather see him tackle any of the other projects that he's announced over the years. Um, you know, plus I, I don't need more of these characters. I think all that can be said with them has been said, uh, that out of the way, Sherry Moon Zombie did some of her best work in the movie and was probably the best part of the ensemble cast, taking the character to entirely new places versus the previous films. Uh, so that was delightful to watch. Um, I, I think she's really coming into her own, uh, as an actor, um, you know, I, I know other than I think like one, maybe two appearances, she only does Rob Zombie movies. Um, but after this, I would happily see her show up in someone else's movie. I think she, uh, is, is, did a, uh, an absolutely fantastic job in this one. So yeah, um, three from hell. If you like Rob Zombie movies and you like the devil's rejects, you'll enjoy this movie enough. Um, it's always nice to revisit, you know, uh, interesting characters and a lot of the cast from other Rob Zombie movies show up in this one. Um, plus the dude who plays Alvarez on Mayans and Sons of Anarchy, whose name totally escapes me at the moment, uh, he shows up in it. So we're tying things together. Um, so yeah, tying, tying, uh, three from hell back to Mayans. There we go. Cool. Uh, we keep this, this podcast tight. Um, 
All right, so that's all the TV and the movies. Let's move on to music. Uh, first track, a new track that I want to recommend, not tied to anything else that we've talked about, just a song that really fucking hit for me uh, this week. It's uh, Jesse Reyes's Saint Nobody off her 2018 album Being Human in Public. Uh, Reyes first broke big in the U.S. following the, re- the release of her EP Kiddo in 2017. Uh, The track Gatekeeper off of that album was a a perfect track for the post-Me Too era, uh, and it focused on her own dealings with rapper-producer Detail, who has multiple accusations of rape and other abuses, as well as restraining orders and orders of protection against him. Uh, So that that was kind of her break into the scene. Uh, The track Saint Nobody talks about the the come-up, as as a performer from being a a weird soul you know dwelling on death and outsider status and how those factors led reyes to uh as is said in the lyrics work like a motherfucker uh and the video is especially evocative featuring reyes as a display in an art museum uh purposefully and literally ripping uh, cutting her own heart out for the people passing by uh the the display um, and you know, that, that's such a, a commentary on, on being a performer, uh, and, and some of the, the feelings involved in that. So that, that song, uh, is an absolute banger. Uh, the whole album's great. I'm a big fan of Jesse Reyes. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Um, as for an older song, uh, I want to bring up, uh, all right. So Rick Ocasek of the cars died earlier this week. Uh, and as such, I'm including the first track off of their self-titled first album from 1978. Uh, the song is good times roll, which was also released as a single in 1979. Uh, and it, it's not the car's biggest hit by any stretch. Uh, it was the third single off the first album. Um, but it, it's a solid poppy dose of new wave and definitely an example of why the cars are so widely recognized and respected as one of the better pop acts of their era. Uh, you know, they were never the poster you were putting on your wall, but uh, I, I think, you know, especially amongst musicians, uh, the cars are well, well regarded. Uh, and to bring it back around two topics discussed earlier once again, uh, this song in particular, Good Times Roll, was covered by the band Power Man 5000 for their album Tonight the Stars Revolt. Uh, Power Man 5000 is a band fronted by the singer Spider One, who happens to be Rob Zombie's brother. So now we've tied everything back into a nice little bow, tying it back to Three from Hell. And there you go. Everything, everything is interconnected. Oh, it's so delightful how I was able to do that. So proud of myself. Professional level podcasting here. Um, All right, with that all being said, now it is time for the tarot pull for the episode. And I am uh, pulling from the Lovely Omens deck by Keely L. Uh, It's a a gorgeous deck. Um, If you dabble in tarot, I recommend it. It's beautiful. Uh, It's striking. The imagery is fantastic. Uh, This card in particular, the Five of Swords, is a card about messy conflict. You're in it. It's happening. And the best part of it 
you're in the right. Whatever this conflict is, you are on the right side of it. You are correct. Your thinking on it is correct. However, that being said, this is some messy shit. And how you proceed in this bullshit will have lasting consequences for you. You know, you could choose to go fucking scorched earth on whoever, whatever it is that's giving you the hassle and causing the conflict. And you would be right to. And they would get their just desserts and all of that shit. You know, you would get that instant karma thing you want. But take the time, take the moment to consider how that would reflect on your character. Because it would reflect poorly. You would win the moment, but you would win yourself no friends and no favor. You know, um... So the better course of action in whatever this conflict is that is in your life right now is restraint. Hold your tongue, be right, but don't be a dick about it. Uh, Which I feel like that's good advice in most situations. You can be right and not be a dick about it. That's a pretty great philosophy on how to approach life, you know. Um, But yeah, uh, so that that is what to dwell on for the time being, whatever your, whatever your little messy shit is, uh, don't be a dick about it. Be cool. Don't cause extra unnecessary bullshit around the bullshit that there already is. Um, be the, be the bigger person, as they say. So there you go. That is your tarot pull for the episode. And that is the episode as always. You can contact me on any of the social medias at skitsjones, S-K-I-T-Z-J-O-N-E-S, all one word. You can email me at skitsmjones at gmail.com. If you're on the Anchor app, you can drop a voice message and, you know, maybe I'll play it on a future episode. And with all of that having been said and done, there's only one thing left, as always... My, my entreaty to you, keep that trash fire burning, y'all.